I am now on Kofi.com, which is a platform that is completely free um, for myself as a podcaster to accept donations, basically. So very, very small donations, as if you were buying me a drink. Um, I think you can donate £4 or you can make up your own donations. Obviously, this takes quite a lot of time, quite a lot of effort, and I love doing it. But sometimes you need a little bit of a financial... uh, what's the word, like a crutch, I suppose. Um, I'm not expecting to make millions and millions of pounds from this, but it would be really awesome if someone could um, sort of help me along the way, I suppose. Obviously, all the money that I earn from this podcast, I put straight back into the podcast, or I actually buy stuff from my sponsors. Um, So yeah, if you fancy that, then it's ko-fi.com. So ko com forward slash Absolute Bedlam Podcast. And only donate if you can donate. Only donate what you can and if you can. I can't express that enough. Um, don't try to give me too much and then ruin yourself financially. That's not what this is about. This is just about me keeping the, uh, the steam in the uh, machine, as I suppose. Yeah, enough waffling. Here's the episode. Good evening, this is MC Lars, and welcome to Absolute Bedlam Podcast. Oh, hell yeah. Thank you so much. (laughs) That's tight. That's tight. Awesome. Right. So tonight, obviously, we have MC Lars, who is a post-punk laptop rapper. How's it going, dude? You right? I'm doing well, Ben. Thank you for having time to talk and uh, yeah, hit, hit me up. No worries. It's uh, really good to see um, someone reply to the hundreds of emails that I send to anyone that I can think of. I'm actually <laughs> at that point now where I'm dreaming about having guests, which is quite strange. <laughs> I had a dream last night that Jeff Bezos came on. Oh. I, I don't want him on, but you know, <laughs> it'll get some eyes on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So first things first, we don't have a lot of time. So I'm going to have to sort of blurt these out and hope that you understand what they mean. So I've obviously sent you these questions before, so it's not going to be too new. But being on the bleeding edge of relevance of the songs that you write and the topics that you write about, you're kind of like a musical version of South Park. (laughs) How do you maintain this constant improvement level approach of music you talk about blockchain cryptocurrency guitar hero when that was massive napster download the song hollister hot topic places that the uk didn't even have as a shop and i just wondered like do you just stay on that level of like finding out you're a bit of a meerkat i imagine Uh, that's Ben. That's a really wonderful question. I think that like hip hop is always about, you know, that's the hip and hip hop. It's about like trying to be in touch with what's current and what's happening. And now when coming up, I, when I did 20 years ago, when social media was new, everything was always changing. Right. So it was always like, how do we talk about what's currently happening? But now the fact that like change is just perpetual makes that really hard to be on the bleeding edge. Like you said, so And being in my late 30s, I'm not the college kid rapping with my laptop in these venues talking about MySpace. Like, 
you have to be able to talk about what's changing and be really online, but not let it define you and consume you and make it be this moving target that drives you insane. Cause if I always wanted to have like this place in the zeitgeist of, of 2005, where I started, like, yeah, yeah, that would be sad. You know, I have to write about other things and I have to, um, enjoy it. And that's what literature is fun to write about because it ends up being timeless and also topical, right? That's why I like doing those songs. So yes, yeah, good question. <laughs> yeah, I go to like the bank now and then in my little seaside town full of various thousands of people. It's not a very heavy populated town. It is obviously during the summer and then it dies in the winter. And you go into the bank and you hear old people say, I don't do online banking. And I'm just like, how the hell do you, it's adapt or die now, isn't it basically? Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's important. Like I don't use the internet. Okay. <laughs> How? Yeah. So when you were back playing live shows, if you remember them with just a backing track, when you were the one man band MC Lars, how many shows roughly did you play a year and how has that affected your life? Not being able to do it because you really do strike me as someone that grinded. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, doing like when I was I 2006, I was on the road like seven months, you know, pretty much nonstop solo and being solo made it easier, made it more affordable. Yeah, I had, you know, being during COVID, we did a lot of sh online shows where people supported by buying tickets online. And I started doing more Patreon stuff. I made this record. Um, but I think that just that relentless touring, it's like it's like a field, you know, you, you, you can't get the same amount of crops from the same field forever. So it was nice to take a break. Mm. Um, it, mm. as horrific as this year has been. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. When it's forced, it's a bit strange. It's like, everyone's just been given like 3000 hours of spare time and people have either gone, I'm going to learn guitar. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to start Twitch or they've gone. I don't know what to do with all this time. And it's driven them a bit crazy. I think. It's interesting how people have approached the same level of stay inside. Yeah. Or they've, or they focused their anger at like a perceived threat of this like fascist, like, like telling people what to do for, for public safety and going down these rabbit holes of the conspiracy. I mean, think about like the internet has made COVID manageable in that people have been able to to connect with each other and and still be productive if they want you know the flu from 100 years ago yeah they didn't they couldn't do that um so i don't know you started this podcast stop yeah <laughs> i did yeah i'm a year in now i'm nearly Congrats. thank you it's been really fun i'm nearly 85 episodes in and i am genuinely really enjoying this and i thought to myself, a lot of people are going to be starting these now, and I hope that they don't just teeter off as soon as we're allowed back outside again. And yeah. I still record every single week, every Monday, I make it my mission. I'm now booked up next year until August, which is a bit crazy, to be honest. I should have probably slowed down a tiny bit. But um, this is my hobby now. It's my ritual. And uh, if I could turn That's it into dope. more than that, then bring it on. Getting people like you on is obviously going to accelerate that. So thank you very much. Hey, thanks. That's awesome. So personal, how are you finding being a dad? Mm. I love it a lot. My, my mother-in-law is watching my son right now, which is allowing me to, to do things like this. Um, I find that speaking of time, 
every moment you realize is so special because, yeah, you know, you, I see my son grow so much and I'm like, like every moment is super important. Anytime I get to make music or do MC Lar stuff or whatever is like special where before it was this infinite, mm. infinite field of like, I could just do one thing forever. And I think it's made me be more focused and more determined and happier when I'm making music. It feels like a joy instead of an obligation. I think that's a gift, you know? Yeah, it's great. I've got an eight-year-old son myself, so I... Oh, wow. I found myself when he was very little, I found myself just staring at him whilst he was asleep. And I I just relished the silence of being a single person living in a house. Sometimes you... Obviously, too much silence can make you go crazy. But when you have a kid, you cherish every second that that kid is asleep. It's <laughs> <laughs> obviously a very negative connotation towards having kids do have kids um yeah. but have you ever like rushed out to get milk powder because you forgot or nappies or diapers whatever you call them over there in the, the us of a yeah you know there's a lot of running to the store um to get stuff definitely thank goodness for amazon as much as like people don't yeah speaking of bezos like like that's been everything getting the diapers like in a day um my wife's very she's you know very thorough and good at remembering stuff, but it's been a lot of late night rushing out to get stuff. <laughs> did you know how much sleep you weren't going to get before you had the child or did you just throw yourself into it and saw what came out the other side? People told me, I had a friend who said, who's a musician who had a daughter and he said, um, get as much sleep as you can now before, <laughs> before. But people have said like, it's, it's like being on an endless international flight. And I think that's a great way to put it. Like going to Australia from from California, like going west, it feels like that. Like, And so the hardest months were the first three. We sleep trained him, so we were kind of like very, like we're not coming in if you're crying, bro. And after a week, he slept well for the most part. So Write that down, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to be, yeah, you got to be strict. You definitely yeah. do. You got to set boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Do you prefer, as an artist, to work behind the scenes and distribution, logistics, releasing stuff, other people's stuff through your label, Horace Records, isn't it? Yeah. Or do you prefer to be at the forefront of your music as a frontman and what's the word, um, sort of stage person, frontman, I suppose? Uh, it's changed. You know, that's a, that's a good question, Ben. Like, cause when I started, it was like, Hey, look at me. I'm like the young, the young kid with the laptop. This is fine. I'm crazy. But now I really enjoy helping artists re release their music. I have students that like I mentor who I help with releasing music through this, um, thing I started called the lit hop Academy. That's yeah. That's through their label, but like I consult them through their projects and that's fun because then it's like, I'm not the one who all the eyes are on. And I can use what I've learned as like a mentor to pass on to them. I mean, it makes me think about not to, I obviously would never compare myself to this person, but you can look at someone like Dr. Dre's career and how his, he was given this extra 30, 40 years of relevance because he mentored all these artists. And, um, I think if you, if you always want to be the center of attention, as you reach the edge of your late thirties into your early forties, it's going to be frustrating because you're no longer. Mm. you're no longer this re reflective of the youth culture. And so that's important. If you don't do that, you're going to be very sad and disappointed. You have to find joy in what's next. And, and I find a lot of joy in the mentorship role. So that's, I've actually been thinking about that a lot 
because yesterday I had like five Zooms with five of my cl clients and I was thinking about how much fun that was. How much more fun that was than like promoting my own stuff. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, comparing yourself to Dr. Dre, I'm not comparing myself to you, but I played bass for about 10 years as a bass writer. Played bass for about 10 years in bands that didn't yeah. really go anywhere. Supported bands that supported Iron Maiden, sort of two separate sort of occasions and two degrees of separation, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, recorded a ton of EPs, you know, played every gig physically possible. Um, and I got bored of it and I had a son, like I say. So I then joined a promotions company and I wanted to help the bands that were coming to Weymouth, which is where I'm from. Bands like Sepultura, Skindred, Evile, Hadouken. Um, I think I saw you in Paul at a place uh, called Chords for Shudderfest. Mm, yes. Slightly I unrelated. That. I didn't put that gig on. That was my friend. Um, but yeah, I, I feel what you say about sort of paying it forward and saying, right, I'm not the most important person in the room now. I want to try and help people on their journey. So, um, yeah, I feel that. I taught a bit of bass as well when I could actually play. I kind of just have it there as a bit of a ornament now, I suppose. <laughs> That's cool. I, it's like being a parent too, right? Like mm. you, I, I remember I watched, um, there was the, the, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot movie, the Kevin Smith movie. The night my wife gave birth, I'd watched it the night before. And um, it was so interesting. I always remember Kevin Smith has a line as the silent Bob character where he says, before you have a kid, you are, the, you're on the stage, but when you have a kid, you become the stage for the kid. And I think that's just the life. That's, that's how you become like an evolved, happy person. So that's cool. You figured that out eight years ago. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm 32 now. Um, okay, cool. Tends to me and my girlfriend go to gigs now and then we, we go up the road, like you've mentioned Exeter before we recorded and stuff like that. Southampton, Bristol, maybe London, if the band's really worth sort of staying in a travel lodge in a hotel. But um, <laughs> it's definitely calmed down quite a lot. Right. Um, so yeah. just on the whole music thing, because obviously we are promoting your new album. What's the album called? <laughs> Thanks, Ben. It's called Blockchain Planet and it's out December 19th. Or it's already out if you listen to this after that. I'm very, yeah. very honored to receive that as well. I do genuinely appreciate you sending everything, not just the raw stem <laughs> files, but you actually sent me the logo. You sent me the thank you note and all that sort of stuff with all your Kickstarter supporters. Um, yeah, I've not really had that before. So thank you very much. A lot of people have said, you know, you'll listen to it when it's out on Spotify. And I'm like, mm, oh, meant to be promoting your album here, buddy. <laughs> right. But yeah, music. So songs as projects. <laughs> So you striked me when I first started listening to you with Guitar Hero Hero and sort of, you know, what was it? Um, Hot Topic, not punk rock and all that sort of thing. It striked me as songs that took quite a long time to create and you were obviously quite heavy on the collaboration side of things. So did you approach songs as like individual projects or did you find yourself churning them out and then trying to get people involved later on down the line? Oh man, these are some great questions that, uh, you know, my number one favorite influence still is Weird Al Yankovic because his ability to play with genre as the clothes that songs wear, like I heard that described somewhere is so helpful and so useful. So I'd always be like, 
I try to find this magic fusion of like, okay, how can I find something funny about something and then find someone who's really awesome to better than me to musically make that point come home. And so you mentioned South Park earlier. There was the episode where Cartman is just like, I think it's Cartman's like obsessed with Guitar Hero and it's like yeah. he becomes, I don't know, that episode inspired that song. Cause I was like, these people, are, this is like the new, this is the new obsession, not so much actually being in a band. So it was like of that moment. So how do you do that? You have a like a really awesome <laughs> guitarist feature on it. And that's where we got Paul through a friend, through a friend. Yeah, man. Um, so that's what's up. So so that was tight. So like, I've, I feel like my philosophy, I've always been heavy on collaborations and what's the worst they could tell you? No, you know, yeah. but they're going to, they're going to probably tell you, they're less likely to tell you no, if you make sure the song, it, the demo's really strong. And that's something I realized early. You have to put a lot of time into it. And being an English major, I always approach it like my chorus is my thesis and your verses are your defending statement. So you really have to make it very academic, but not feel that way. It's, it's not an easy balance to make. <laughs> no, it makes complete yeah. sense. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love Paul Gilbert. I've spoken to you about him a couple of times, him and Joe Satriani are my reasons basically for playing guitar. And then six months later giving up because I couldn't actually <laughs> learn any of their songs and then going on bass. Um, yeah, but I love Paul Gilbert so much. I think he's an absolute machine he seems to churn albums out very quickly but he seems to have slowed down a bit lately as well mm. with the werewolves of portland i think is his new album but, oh that's tight yeah yeah awesome but it's not about him it's about you <laughs> so what is but paul can i say a story about paul you might like the story when we did that video you know he's i'm like it's uh he was so nice he put on the suit he came to the video shoot he changed and he was like in his car leaving and the director was like, oh no, we need one more shot. So he like ran in front of the car and got Paul to come back, put on the outfit again and then do a full another like hour and a half of shooting. And he did it as a favor to a friend who was house sitting for him, who knew one of the engineers on the album. That's how that came about. And that was like, that's nice, dude. Like, mm. like he doesn't, he's like, he's never heard of me obviously, but he, he was so great. So yeah, he, I wanted to tell that story. Yeah. Uh, he's fantastic. I love him. One day, people. One day. Um, what is blockchain? Chan what What is blockchain planet about? What's the sort of theme of the overall album? The theme is about like coming to grips with how social media and the and the Web 2.0 world that like I launched out of that whole era of the last twenty years has kind of taken this like pernicious turn and become in a way powerful and in a way like influencing politics, influencing people's mental health in a way that's not necessarily joyful <laughs> and what this means for us and how like the whole idea of a decentralized web and like blockchain technology has the potential to liberate people in a way that makes things less corporate controlled and less um, susceptible to the same shortcomings of the past 20 years. So I didn't want to make a super political record and I didn't want to make an album that was like super nerdy about the mechanics of it, but more about like how this shift in the internet has changed the world and how really how being in COVID and being in quarantine, I think exacerbated and made this st history happen like, like exponentially quicker than it would have because people are all home online. Um, 
and then having a kid and how that's given me hope through all this chaos. So that's the theme. <laughs> it's about transformation, isn't it? It's about how do we continue as a species without being able to see each other and that sort of yeah. social aspect of the internet. You know, the internet was originally started as a sort of university to university connectivity thing, wasn't it? And then MySpace came out and Bebo came out, if you remember that. I don't know if you're on Bebo. <laughs> I remember it. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And then it just became everything, didn't it? You know, shopping, car insurance, whatever you want, really. Dating, right? Yeah, music, dating, yeah, music. Collab yeah, man. And yeah. That's like, and, and I think though England specifically like was always first on t trends. I remember like 2005, 2006, people in England were a lot more aware of MySpace than in the U.S. I don't know. I don't know why that is. Do you feel that way? You're, you're a lot younger than me, but did you feel that? people? Were... I think there was quite a lot of arguments in school in the later years when I was about to think about going to college. And it was genuine arguments about people not being in your top 16 friends list. Right. And that was a real sort of social contention of like, um, Bebo, you could send love. You could send one heart a day. And people would fight tooth and nail to get that heart of someone they potentially haven't even met. And it was a very, it was kind of, you saw the negativity straight out the gate of that social sort of thing. But it was great because it was like the first early adoption of it. And you could obviously make your profile as snazzy or as basic as you want. And you can put a bio. Um, some people would go, you know, hell for leather and they'd post, you know, 900 characters. Some people would put Ben. And <laughs> there was always this like ambition to change your profile picture and change your wallpaper and all that sort of thing. So yeah, I use MySpace a lot. Um, I can't yeah. really remember. It's probably music. It was probably when bands released music because it was on their profile page, wasn't it? In their little sort of banner. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't really use it for friends. I used it to kind of reach out to people because I've always been really interested in interviewing people and musicians and public figures. I kind of used it for that, I suppose, early on. And I used it for my band to get gigs. So yeah, that I, was I, me. I, but like, I think specifically since England, my theory is like England is small geographically. People live closer than in, in the US. And like, so having friends who know people on MySpace made it so you're more likely to know them in real life and bands you're more likely to have recognized because you saw a flyer at the pub and they're on MySpace. Like I feel like that magic of the early years of the internet and the fact that England is a very small, like yeah. community and music oriented culture. It was like magic and people were really, really into it. Right. Yeah. Which was cool. Music's always been a real sort of, we can't live without it in the UK. Um, yeah. You always hear about people playing London, Manchester, Scotland. That seems to be a thing at the moment. Everyone wants to play Scotland. Um, but a lot of these bands, you know, when big bands come, like Iron Maiden, they play London and then they'd be straight out. And mm -hmm. I kind of want to put my hand up sometimes and go, look, if you play Bristol or you play Exeter, I can almost guarantee that you'll sell that venue out. And there won't be as much pressure on selling out like the Royal Albert Hall, for example. Um, and you'll have a great time and people will be a lot more dedicated. Because I think people, when they go to London, they kind of just go because it's on. 
Whereas right. real dedicated fans, you know, sometimes they get a bit diluted in London, I feel. But I might be wrong there. Have you got any well, plans to come over to the UK? Yeah, I, I'm going to be hopefully doing Slam Dunk in May um, and doing a little tour around then because I haven't, it's the, like 2020 was the first year since 2003 where I didn't <laughs> tour England. Yeah. And that's crazy. So that would be, and 2021 also. So that would be pretty awesome to be able to come back. Um, I think that model of like playing the smaller cities is one that like I doubled down on in, in the early 2000s because it was like, let's play all the towns that have venues that people aren't going to. And since I had my laptop, it was affordable to do it. And I think that like, that's, that's something I'm always grateful for England. Like if it weren't for England, I wouldn't be doing MC Lars still. Yeah. yeah. And so I got to come back. Yeah. To come to a country just to play one show and then leave is such a environmentally unstable way of touring, I feel. Unless your bands like Iron Maiden or ACDC, where you've just got money to burn, or their record labels have money to burn. But yeah, Coldplay, for example, they're planning to not tour unless they can do it in a carbon neutral way. And mm. I'm not a huge fan of Coldplay, but I do think that that's potentially going to be a sort of pinnacle for other bands acting in a similar way that's amazing that that could set a standard that's great yeah exactly it's like when apple say you know we're, we're going to change the charging lead on your phone and then all the other companies go oh <laughs> more money to make let's do that <laughs> yeah there you go there we go so <laughs> just wanted to quickly mention that i've got a raven with me because uh who's that tapping and all that <laughs> so Where, where'd you find that raven my my girlfriend collects a lot of random stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit crazy sometimes. Let's say that. But yeah. There we go. So speaking <laughs> of my girlfriend, she's got a wax milk company, so I need to promote that. So made sure wax, wax melts. What are wax melts? I get this all the time. So they're like little candles that you put in a burner. Oh, okay. Got a tea light holder. I see. Light the little candle underneath, and it melts and smells really nice. So check that out at uh, <laughs> madesure.pigcartel.com. And Ooh, I've also nice. got another sponsor as well as my grind shirt, which make um, amazing fitness clothing. So we've got Archie Soul, we've got Beard Wash. If you ever grow a beard, shout me. <laughs> beard Oil. And we've got the world's biggest bar of soap. Dang. <laughs> this is my uh, phone for comparison just for you. Oh my goodness. Yep. It's wow. mental. Been using this for a year. No, I'm joking. Uh, that's from Duke <laughs> Cannon. It's all backwards, but I'm, I'm just trying my best to make a living, guys. You know what I mean? Um, so you, so these sponsors keep you going. You, they're able to like monetize it. That's what, shout out to them, man. That's dope. So you can put time into this. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, it's really cool. Archie saw <laughs> I get a 15% commission rate for every order that uses Bedlam 2021. Woo. Uh, working on the others, my girlfriend's, you know, I'm not too bothered about taking money from her because that's capitalism. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, let's get off that. Uh, so, song ideas. How do you get the inspiration to come up with songs? And do you tend to go to a certain area in your house? Do you tend to go driving? Like, how do you get it from a sheet of paper to actually playing it in front of people? 
Um, that's great. That's that's a great question, and I've been thinking about that. You know, I think with with hip hop, like it's always about you have to ha think about the rhythm and the cadence and how a certain drum loop is going to inspire the syncopation of your rhymes on a, in a certain way. So that sounds that might sound kind of like yeah. obvious, but like you have to be yeah. If you have a rhythm in your head, that will drive the musicality of it. And so the question is, what am I trying to say about this? pop culture trope or about my life like it why is this a song worth writing how is this different than the millions of songs about the same thing yeah um i get most of my inspiration while i'm running i've been doing a lot of like jogging this past few years and that's what's up so i write so I, i'll be with my phone literally ben i'll be with my phone and i'll pull out and i'll be like type a message down while i'm sweating profusely and i hope that i can decipher it when i get home and that's that the new record like that was like, I, I was making demos with, I play guitar and then I transcribe it to MIDI and, and that's how I, I do a lot of the beats. Then I'd listen to that and I'd write down all the ideas I came up with. And then it's just a matter of writing the actual rhyme. So yeah, that's my process. It, it's, it's, but the music always has to come first and the, you have to have the hook first because if you don't have a good hook, no one wants to hear someone just rap, especially now, mm. I don't think. Do you find there's something yeah. to the fitness in terms of like level of exhaustion and do you find that that kind of brings stuff out that you wouldn't usually think of? Does that make sense? I think so. I think that, yeah, because you're, um, the, 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 what's it called? Like your barriers down. So you're not censoring yourself. So your feelings that you're more in touch with your feelings and the endorphins make you like, they connect your neurons in a way that you wouldn't before. I think that's important. I wasn't as big on exercise until like hmm. a few years ago. And um, it's, it's really been helpful because it makes it so, I also have more energy on stage. We just did a short two month US tour, which was kind of miraculous that that even happened. Um, but I felt like I was better performer because I I'd been running more. And I was able to, the big thing was I was able to remember my lyrics. I always had trouble learning my new songs, but when you write a song while you're running and then you're exercising on stage, you're able to recall it faster. It's like Pavlovian in a way, <laughs> you know? Pavlovian, yeah, so, I know what you mean, yeah. Um, yeah. How did you get into the AR Drive app? What's that oh. all about? Yeah, so that, that's something I've been doing like um, as a consultant. Uh, I work for them, helping with their social media because I thought their project was cool. I'd gotten into blockchain and crypto because I was doing my workshops and had a student who was paying me in cryptocurrency. So I started learning about it and, and I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like this is a way basically our drive uses this, this chain called our weave chain started by this British guy who was, um, he dropped out of, uh, Kent university and he invented this new technology where you can store data on the blockchain. So it's not just a store of monetary value. You can upload and permanently save anything in the weave they call it. So I thought the project was cool. And so I saw they were looking for someone to help with social media and uh, they brought me on. So I do that part-time when I'm not on tour. So that's how that happened. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. That's fun. I love seeing really musicians and people with influence going to these companies and saying, your website's not very good. You, you really <laughs> do genuinely need some help, especially if it's an online product, right? Like if it's a website creation tool, you would expect that to be as good as it can physically be do you know what i mean and it's really cool to see people solidify their financial 
influential social, you know, bubble with the ability to help other people understand these things. Because it sounds a bit crazy to me, and I'm a technical support person. But yeah, yeah, I'll be yeah. up for learning about it. It sounds great. Yeah, it's it's I I enjoy it because I'm like I have to make sense of it since I'm kind of not native to this world and translate and then communicate about it. And a lot of people are, you know, I think it's people call out a lot of the BS in blockchain and the environmental issue and NFTs. One of the things they do is permanent NFT storage. So you're not just like saving the file. It's actually on the chain. And that's interesting to me because it's made me like figure out why I, be I believe that this is the future of the internet and why it's interesting. And also see where like there's a lot of trends and a lot of, you know, the crypto internet has a lot of memes and it's a lot of like garbage too. Yeah. So I, definitely. that's why this company's tight to me. Cause I was like, Oh, this is actually useful. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops as uh, the time goes on. So what have Thank I got you. next? I've got two questions for you from guests okay. and fans. Oh, wow. One okay. of them's anonymous. She's called Bryony but we can't mention that. I'm joking, obviously. Um, favorite song by the Venga Boys? Uh, we Like to Party. We like to, yeah, that's a tune. That's, we play that. My wife and I, when we put our son to bed, we play that song on the phone because it's like party time. We do that. Not so much anymore, but when he finally got to sleep, that would be the song we'd play. So, <laughs> good question. We'd just come on straight away. As soon as they ready. started snoring. Hell yeah. yeah. And one of my good friends, Sam Welch, said if you could play any music festival ever past present or future where would you be playing in the world and why covid aside oh man uh i, I want to think of a cool answer i mean i just saw the documentary on woodstock 99 on hbo and that was such a disastrous um event i'd like to think if i were to play that could i have changed the opinion of people or i don't know made it less horrific yeah um so that's what i'd say woodstock 99 and but if it's not the hellscape it became yeah 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 <laughs> did you um watch the netflix documentary of fire festival yes that was great yeah, i watched both of them there was like there was there was, there was two oh, documentaries right. i think yeah we've probably got a different version of netflix being you know, I haven't got a VPN. I'm looking for a sponsor. Um, <laughs> I think it's called Fire Festival. The festival that never actually happened is the one that I watched. And it was basically this deluded organizer that was just promising everything. And Blink-182 pulled out and then everyone started pulling out. And it turned out that the festival was like a load of tents in the middle of an island. And it was just not ready for anything, basically. But yeah, crazy time. Yeah, it well, and I think what was like, there was that schadenfreude element of like all these influencers and people who were all buying tickets because of FOMO and wanting to be there, they, watching them have a horrible experience. I felt like I enjoyed that, but maybe I shouldn't have, you know what I mean? I get what you mean. Yeah. I get yeah. what you mean. I really do. So obviously with the new album, which we're promoting, cryptocurrency and NFTs and all that sort of stuff, as we've mentioned several times now. Are they part of your personal life or do you just like looking at them from the outside or are you actually invested in any of them? Oh, good question. Uh, I, I made an NFT um, for the for the 
anniversary of The Graduate, and I had a big backlash from my supporters. They were like, that's not punk, Lars. What are you doing? This is the dark side. It's bad for the environment. And I was like, oh, shoot. So I was like, let me look at the facts. Um, and there is like, I don't want to... I don't want to bore people with the technical stuff, but like there's types of there's types of technology that are bad for the environment. Like proof of, uh, like proof of work is, is like the theory in blockchain. And then there's proof of stake, right? And so it's like depends on how much energy the different NFTs are using and and stuff. So it's like there's, there's ways that crypto can be bad for the environment, ways that it can be good. And I think people don't want it to necessarily be this horrible, polluting, energy destroying planet destroying thing and my hope is it won't be but currently waste it does waste a lot of energy i have some like crypto investments for, that i've made like through my teaching people who've paid me in that instead of money which i think is like that's cool that's fine but i'm still spec speculative of it and i'm not all in on it but i'm also optimistic that the environmental issues will be fixed and i think it can do a lot of good i mean the thing about Web 3.0 is that it can't be censored for better or worse. So like if you publish something that documents something that happened in China, they can't take it down because it's on the weave. But if it's on stored on like a hard drive or on a central database, they could technically take it out. And I think that is potentially good for our species to have this permanent record of history. So I'm optimistic about that stuff. How about you? Are you in, into it at all or not? Really? No, one of my friends is obsessed with it. Shout out to Carl Talks Crypto on YouTube. He's a very good supporter of Absolute Bedlam and everything that it stands for. But I just don't know enough about it to put my money into it. If I suddenly came into £50,000 from an inheritance or something, I might potentially put five in just mm -hmm. to see what happens. But the whole sort of art speculation of it only has value if other people see it has value. I just, I would rather just have not physical money because everything's online, like we said earlier, but yeah, I just, it's like building on quicksand. It's really difficult to forecast, isn't it? It is. And I think that like Satoshi, Satoshi Nakamura, yeah. who, uh, the guy who invented Bitcoin, or we don't even know if it's their gender, yeah. the person who invented Bitcoin, they had a thing linked in the original white paper of it that was a link to an article about the 2008 recession. Yeah. And there's this idea that if, since money is just agreed upon consensus yeah. and it has value, yeah. if you take out the institutional influence, yeah. it potentially will have more value and it will be a deflationary asset that, theoretically because every four years there's half as much Bitcoin, right? And so half as much, it takes twice as long to mine it. So it, there's a lot of like weird libertarian people in the space who are very anti-government and kind of like crypto anarchists. And that's that's creepy too because it's like, we need electricity to use it, but I also think that um, there's a lot of potential in being able to like send. If I were if I were to sell you something, or you were or you were to or, or I were to buy something for you, or you were to buy something for me, mm -hmm. we could set. I could pay you, and it wouldn't be traceable, and it would be encrypted. And maybe that's an interesting way to do business. Maybe it's a great way to do something criminal. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, money laundering yeah. and all that sort of stuff. I think. Um... It, Anything yeah. has the opportunity to be weaponized when it's early days, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's based on intent. And obviously gold as a 
gold bullion holds its value so well that that's why the US dollar is backed by gold. Um, for something like an NFT or some cryptocurrency to come along and push it out of its seat, I think it's going to take quite a long period of time because Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin, etc., aren't backed by anything official, are they? Not anything tangible. But we'll see. Maybe this we'll will see. be a conversation in five years and we'll be laughing at Ben's ignorance and idiocy. But yeah, who knows? But I'm interested you, by it. it the early adopters, Ben, like I had people 10 years ago who were like, you should get into this. You know, people who bought Bitcoin 10 years ago, they're, they're, they're laughing now. You know, it's like, is it too late? Is it too early? Who knows? And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm optimistic about it. I'm optimistic about it because I think it solves a lot of the institutional problems that have led, that have not been awesome the past 20 years. You know, people love disruptive things, don't they? They do. They love to see things go without the process that used to happen in the past i suppose um podcast world is there any chance mc lars podcast is going to come back that's a great question um maybe i'm not ruling it out i love doing it i love doing it every week you know i, I love like you like i book my guests ahead of time i found that it was taking me away from like being present with my son and I wasn't, and my wife, and I wasn't monetizing it directly. Like if, like, and I was getting what? I was, my average download was like 400 people, which was cool, but I did like 120 episodes and it wasn't growing that much. And I was like, this is fun, but I'd like, do I really want to do this every week? And so I was like, I'm going to take a break. But I don't hate doing it. I do a podcast for our drive where I in yeah. interview people about like decentralized internet. So it's more technical and I get paid to do that and that's fun and like I enjoy that. Um, but but I did like doing the, the MC Lars podcast. Do you, do you advocate it come back or <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I had to listen to a couple of them a couple of weeks back and um, they're very informative. What were the, um, you always had guests on, didn't you? That was like your sort of... You wanted it to be as collaborative as possible. Yeah. Let me just have a quick look at some of the guests that you had on. So you, I think the most recent one you had was Akira the Don. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I always laugh when I see the word MC and snacks put together. I just <laughs> think that that's just brilliant. Um, yeah, you did, how many episodes did you do? A hundred like, something? Yeah, 110 maybe? I really don't know. Let's see. Um, I, I really enjoy doing it. If I could clone myself, I would do one every week. You, you probably relate to that. 119. 119, Brandon Patton. Yeah. The people that I've not necessarily heard of, but I'm willing to sort of listen to them because I know that they'll be interesting. Um, but I find podcasts, they separate into two things for me is I know who this person is and I want to hear what they think about blah, 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 blah. Or they're an up-and-coming person and I can see them go through because there's a very tight-knit circuit in the UK um, and you'll see one person writing a book and you'll see them go from podcast to podcast. And then they'll go completely silent for a couple of years and then they'll release an album and they'll go through the same set of podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, whereas people like you know Jennifer Aniston or The Rock, he can go on any podcast he wants and it will blow up, you know. But right. it's that top 1% thing, isn't it? Of um, 
you know, they're established podcasts rather than I'm a bit of a gorilla. I'm not endorsed by anyone. I'm not on any distribution platforms, you know, I'm not paying anyone for Spotify to put me on their platform, etc. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And like I said to you earlier, I, I don't ever see this stopping. It might drop to two weeks, but I really genuinely love talking to people. And um, I don't think that I would be able to do this if it wasn't for my guests giving me a bit of inspiration now and then. So, yeah. You know what, you know what I like about it, Ben, is like we're so we're, our devices keep us so distracted. We're, there's always like a million things in our brains. It's so thrilling to like sit down yeah. and have an uninterrupted conversation with like intellectual people who appreciate the art of conversation. And like, I like the fact that you incorporate the zoom and, and, and the recording it. Like that's something I was always doing when, when I was, when we went into quarantine. Um, and it's a, this, this record of these, this, the culture and like underground moments and things that maybe very few people care about, or maybe lots of people care about, you never know, but that's the potential. You hope that like these stories make sense. And I think that's the whole human experience. We hope that our narratives have meaning. So it has this ex, it, it scratches this existential hope in my mind that I love because you're creating this long form overtime narrative. It's like Shakespeare, not not to compare yourself with Shakespeare, like his sonnets tell a story over time that give the illusion of life. That growth. <laughs> yeah, that growth of um, this is how he started with a phone. Now I'm going to a laptop. At some point, if people want to donate, wink, um, they can buy me a webcam and I can actually not look like I've traveled back in time 30 years. But it's over to you people. I don't have a lot of money. Um, what does the future look like for MC Lars? I, uh, I want to make my Poe full length album. That's the next project. Um, I'm working on some, I'm working on, I'm, I'm in grad school. I'm working on a thesis on how actually how podcasting can help with education at a rural school in Northern California. That's my, um, capstone project I'm doing. And yeah, that's it. That's pretty, that's it. I've, I've learned, I used to have like a million goals, but I feel like as I've gotten older, having like a few concrete short-term goals is tight so yeah yeah yeah. keep those buckets of water filling up rather than the whole ocean trying you know is it gets overwhelming i get very very overwhelmed i came home tonight after work and i was like i've got so much to do oh my god (laughs) i've got that you know we're, we're talking now but um you've got to live as well you've got to eat you've got to make sure the washing up's done You've got yep. real life to balance with talking to people like you, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's life, you know, it's life. That's it. That's so up. that is it really. Um, I was going to ask you a question, which I ask everyone, but I'm not sure how well it will land, but I might as well now that I've mentioned it, ask it. Okay. So okay. when you come over to the UK, yeah, your riders, your catering, do you ever find yourself going to a supermarket in the UK and buying something called a meal deal? Yes, I've done that. Yeah. And I appreciate the savings that come from that. Thank you, Tesco. What is your Tesco meal deal of choice? <sighs> so I, for a while, I was trying to be vegetarian. Quarantine made that harder when we were living with family. Um, I like the BLT uh, prawn cocktail crisps. And iron brew combo. Nice. Now that's not in every city, but that's a meal deal that will get you ready for a great show. Yeah, yeah. 
Amazing. <laughs> I love that. I need to start rating these. Sorry, go on. No, do it. I'm sure you've shared it already. Chicken bacon lettuce sandwich. BLTs are a bit sort of samey after a while, and I like a bit. Yeah. Uh, either cherry coke or a can of Monster. Mm. Um, crisps are a bit of a wild card for me. Um, a lot of the times, the crisps that I really like aren't available, so they're Thai sweet chili t sensations crisps. Sometimes you just got to go hula hoop though. You, oh yeah. You just got to live that life of the round crisp. <laughs> um, but yeah. I'm pretty much, oh, I don't know. I'll probably do one every two weeks. It's, it can get pretty bad. Like the amount of money that you save doesn't mean that you should buy three of them. <laughs> what are they like? Like three pounds? Three pounds. Some... Three items, yeah, three pounds. Some... There are some supermarkets that go all the way up to four pound 50, but we won't that's talk London. about them. Yeah. <laughs> London's like, I remember my mum telling me once that she went to Trafalgar Square and she was offered a can of Coke for four pounds. Oh, and that was about 30 years ago. So that must have just been like just crazy money, probably to get a house, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Amazing. So <laughs> what have you got planned for the rest of the day? And do you have um, any questions for me? Let's see. The rest of the day, I've, I, I've, I've stacked all these wonderful interviews on one day. So I have two. I get to talk to two more podcasts. And then I'm doing four hours of marketing work for my R-Drive homies. Um so that's today's plans. Um, my question for you is, how do you feel? How do you feel doing this podcast has given you joy in a way you didn't expect beyond the things that you realized were going to make you happy, like talking to people? Like, what else has it done for you? It's broken down barriers that I never thought that I would ever be able to go to. Now that I'm not an artist, and just the sheer amount of people that will reply to you if you send that email. And yeah. it really genuinely makes me so happy that people aren't just contacting me because I'm on a record label or part of a huge corporation. And to be honest, some of the interviews I've seen from these massive, you know, multi-million dollar companies, they're not very good. They ask the same questions over and over and over. And right. Have you ever watched hot ones on YouTube? Uh, is that where they eat the hot wings? So there's a guy there called Sean Evans, who's the interviewer, uh -huh. and he eats the hot wings at the same time as the guest. Okay. The questions he asks are so specific to the guest that yeah. he often receives compliments from the guest. And yeah. that's, that's where I want to be. I want to, I want people to go, holy shit, this guy knows about my first ever audition as an actor. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's very simple to just reel off the same questions, which is what I tried to do with you. And you yeah. said, nah, I'm not having that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, you know, I put my head down a couple of hours later, I sent you a revised set of questions and away we were, you know. I know I can do it, is ultimately what yeah. I'm saying. You had great questions and you're very thoughtful and you also, um, you were able to go with like my t tangents into technical stuff. And um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was great. I like that you put time into that, but I'm also happy answering questions you've asked before. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like, like having your own style. So you've learned, so you learned about getting, you get responses from people and you pushed yourself in a way that's 
made it distinctive. Yeah, this has grown to a point where I'm not just talking to my friends anymore and reconnecting with people from school. This is something that I want to keep doing for quite a long time now. And I get like bands on, like whole bands, not just one individual person representing bands, which as you can imagine, I was audio only a while back and now I'm video and that was chaotic. You know, not yeah. knowing when someone was going to start talking and when someone yeah. was going to go off on a tangent and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I was having like four or five people conversations. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I will go back to that at some point. I, I don't want to forget where I've come from in a way, but just having people like yourself and, um, you know, hopefully in the future, I'll be able to send a couple more emails. Um, I've got the drummer from Devon Townsend project lined up. And he just replied to me on Facebook. And I was like, yeah, what? Like you've actually read my message and responded and yeah, you just got to fire it out and just hope for the best. That's all you can do really. So yeah, love it. Well, I love it too. And I think it's, it's, I'm impressed that you're tenacity and I like your, your kind of sense of humor about all this. Thank you. It's great. Appreciate <laughs> so, you. That's awesome. I'll, I'm gonna link you with those homies. Hell we yeah. won't name them yet because we don't want to expose who they are. No, that's it. I've always got a bit of a fear that they're not actually going to show up. Um, so just guess not, you know, forgetting, being like, oh, I've got all these interviews of all these other people. And it hasn't happened yet, to be fair. But I, I don't know, self-deprecation and all that. It's a very UK thing. But yeah, I like it's a, yeah, it's a defining, <laughs> defining thing about the UK that I love and I relate to. And I, and I love the absolute bedlam podcast. It's tight, Ben. Good work. Thank you. Appreciate you. <laughs> All right. I'm going to leave you to it and enjoy your other interviews and Thanks, go buddy. buy the new album. What's it called? Blockchain Planet, available everywhere. Yeah. Hell yeah. Cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Hey guys, got a new ad read for you. We've got Made Sure Wax Melts. So if you use the code BEDLAM20 at checkout, you will get 20% off. Bedlam20 for 20% off. So the website for Made Sure is madesure.bigcartel.com. So wax melts to suit every mood, every emotion, every feeling. Currently gearing up for Halloween. So uh, yeah, handmade wax melts. Get involved. Um, haven't had a bad bit of feedback yet, so... There we go. Shout out to Hannah for uh, making the best wax melts in Dorset, bar none. So made sure it's Bedlam 20 for 20% off your entire order at checkout. Cheers. Hey guys, got a new Archie Soul ad read coming at ya. So Bedlam 2021 at checkout for 10% off everything on their website which is www.archysoul.com so you've probably heard this before but during the midst of lockdown I didn't really care what time I woke up didn't really care what was on my face didn't read to be completely honest with you I didn't even really care if I had a shower I was not in a good state and this website has come along and this company has come along and it's changed the game for me. It's allowed me to care about what I do, what I wear, what I look like, what sort of pomade I have on my hair. Just 
I can't describe how good their stuff is. So we've got Monsieur Barbier, we've got Duke Cannon, we've got American Crew, we've got Anthony, we've got all sorts of products on their website. Check it out, www.archysoul.com. If you use code BEDLAM2021 at checkout, you'll get 10% off everything on their store. The shipping logistics side of things is insane. Um, I put in orders on Tuesday and I get them on Thursday. Company based in Shropshire. Um, yeah, Mark from Archie Soul has hooked me up. So I want to pay it forward and I want everyone to check it out. And you will thank me later because this stuff is awesome. And hopefully we've got some new deals coming up soon. But in the meantime, Archie Soul, www.archiesoul.com. Check them out. Tell Mark I sent you Bedlam2021 discount code at checkout. Cheers, guys. Back to it. Hello. Just realised the Archie Soul advert is a bit wrong. 15% off with the code Bedlam2021. 15% off, not 10%. Ben, you're an idiot and you need to stop rushing your ad reads. Cheers. Just to let you know that Grind are currently doing a 25% off everything on their store with my affiliate code, which is Bedlam2021. So that's B E D. L-A-M for mother, 2021, which is the year that we live in. Bedlam 2021 at checkout for 25% off all products. Grind. Back to the episode. Just a quick reminder that you're listening to Absolute Bedlam Podcast. This show is officially sponsored by Grind Fitness and Sportswear Clothing. This active and healthy lifestyle company hails from Weymouth, and do I. Check out their website, which is www.grindlimited, which is L-T-D, UK.com. That's www.grindlimitedUK.com. I've recently been given some of their products to test out. And it's all been absolutely fantastic and very, very comfortable to wear. The base layer doesn't cling to you and you can really feel the quality of the clothing. Get involved and start your own grind today. If you have any questions regarding any of their products, please feel free to drop me a message on my Instagram page, which is Absolute Bedlam Podcast, or drop Clayton, the CEO, a message on Instagram. His... uh, Instagram page even is called Grind which is G-R-N-D. We will be very happy to help you with any inquiries that you have on your way to start your own fitness adventure. Thanks again to Grind for allowing me to promote your products. Right then, back to it.